In this sermon series, we have four messages. This message today is the most important one of the four. Now, the one next week, very important, very, very important. But if you get this one today, if you get this message today, don't you stay home next week say, Pastor said I didn't have to come next week because if I get this, I got it. No, 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 it's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying what I'm going to preach on today is the key that unlocks the door to your victory over discouragement. We're talking about discouragement. We've clearly established that everyone deals with discouragement at some level. If you're not battling with discouragement this morning, you will. You will at some point. I'm not a prophet of doom. It's just reality. I'm the mayor of what? Realville. So this week and next week, we're going to talk about how to win our battles with discouragement. What is the antidote to discouragement? What is the cure? What is the remedy? What is the solution? If I get discouraged, what do I do? It's a universal problem. It is a contagious disease of the attitude. How do I overcome it? How do I deal with it? Nehemiah teaches us how to prevent discouragement. And Nehemiah teaches us how to act and what actions to take so that when discouragement comes, we can overcome it. Nehemiah was a great leader. And we'll see the answers to these questions I just asked. What is the antidote, the cure, the remedy? What's the solution? We'll see the answer. And there are four of them. Nehemiah takes four very specific actions to lead the people of God out of the valley of discouragement and onto the mountaintop of victory. Now, when the Bible is very, very clear about steps that great leaders, especially our Lord Jesus Christ, steps that are taken to overcome, to prevent, to be victorious in any area of life, we have to take note of those steps because they're there for a reason. The Bible says that the Old Testament, it gets real in particular about the Old Testament, it says the Old Testament is there for you as an example, as an example of uh, what we need to do and steps we need to take to be victorious. So we're going to talk about today how to prevent it, how to prevent discouragement, how to defeat it. And here's step number one. Step number one, allow God regularly, consistently to refresh you. Now we will allow God to refresh us, but most of the time we wait until we're really stale. We wait until we're in trouble. We wait, until, we wait until things are really bad. And then we come to God and say, oh God, I'm in big trouble. I need help. I need you to refresh me. I need you to strengthen me. I need you to encourage me. I need you to lift me up. So when I say allow God to refresh you, I mean you need to allow God to refresh you consistently. You remember uh, the beginning of the year we talked about prayer? And you remember those prayer journals. I hope you're using your prayer journal. I hope you're updating it. I hope you're, if you're not, make a note to yourself right now. Remind yourself right now. Text yourself a message. How many of y'all do that? I text myself all all the time. I open it up with a Greek word. Hey, doofus, don't forget. Doofus, that's a Greek word. So 
So make a note. Let's get back in those prayer journals. We like sheep, the Bible says, we like sheep have what? Gone. We drift. We drift. It is our natural tendency to drift. So in the first of the year, we're all fired up about prayer. We got the prayer request on the walls back there. By the way, that's what that is on the wall. You said that looks pretty tacky. We don't care. It's prayer request. And we pray over those prayer requests. Don't forget it. Don't forget to write your prayer request on the card. We have many ways for you to offer your prayer request. Excuse me. You can go online and do it. Use that email address I just gave you. Write it on your card every Sunday. There are tons of ways for you to let us know about your, your prayer request. But listen, listen. Write in your prayer journal. Write these things down. And one of the things you need to write in your prayer journal is refreshment in the Lord. Refreshment in God. We're going to talk about that today, what it means. Look in Psalm 119.73. We're going to look in the Living Bible for this one. Psalm 119.73. Look what the writer says. Lord, you made my body. How many of y'all believe God made us? Anybody here hatched? Nope. Born, yes. God made us. Now, look what he says. Now, everybody say it out loud. Not now, the next part. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me one Sunday I was preaching from the book of Jeremiah and I wanted everybody to say, Jeremiah is a prophet. I said, Jeremiah is a, and what did everybody say? Bullfrog, exactly. That shows you the spiritual depth of our church. No, prophet was not their first thought. Prophet was not their first thought. Bullfrog was the bridge's first thought. At that time, I'd been here about 10 years, so. Oh, help me, Jesus. So much work to do, so much work to do. All right, okay. Say the yellow part. You made my body, Lord, now. Give me the, y'all ain't got none. Give me the, to what? about my body you made my body now give me the good sense to heed your laws your teaching your principles about taking care of that body you made give me the good sense if overcommitment has led to you this morning being physically burned out mentally fried spiritually dead if you're exhausted, the first thing you need to do is set aside some time to rest. Schedule it. Remember what I said in the first sermon? Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is get some rest. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is pull aside. Let me ask you something. If Jesus needed to do that, and he did, you think you might need to do it? If Jesus needed to get alone, if Jesus needed to be by himself, if Jesus needed to withdraw even from his disciples so he could be alone with his father, let me ask you something. If Jesus needed to do that, you think you might need to do that? Yes. So he says here, he's teaching us here, get some rest. The second thing, and equally important to that is, make that time of rest not a time just to 
flip on a TV or flip on a radio or put in a CD, even if it's a worship CD. Just be quiet. Spend some time in the Word. Spend some time talking to God. And then spend some time being quiet so God can talk back to you. Spend some time with the Lord. I hear from Christians all the time. I don't know what to do. And then I wonder, when was the last time you ever just went in a room and shut the door, sent everybody away and said, God, I need to hear from you. God, I need to hear from you. We got stuff going all the time. I was sitting in a parking lot the other day waiting for Millie uh, to do some shopping, uh, being a good husband. Because she don't even like for me to be in there because she's like, I feel like you want me to hurry up, so just sit in the truck. <laughs> so I was sitting in the truck, and this guy rode by on a bicycle, and he had some headphones on his head that looked bigger than his head. And they were plugged in his little phone, and he was getting on with bebopping. And I thought about how we just don't know how to not be entertained every second of our lives. We don't know how to be quiet. You guys love amusement parks. You know why you love amusement parks? Because the word amuse is two words. Muse meaning think and ah, the prefix of ah, muse means not. It's a not think park. That's why y'all love them so much. It's a not think park. We want to go in and be bombarded with entertainment, bombarded with things that take our attention away. We want to go to the movie or look at a movie. All of that, nothing wrong with all that's fine, but you need some quiet time by yourself with God. And if you would, and we're going to talk about it, you're going to hear from him. He's going to give you some of the things you're looking for, but he just doesn't have a chance to get a word in. If you go to Books A Million, you can find authors and books that talk about how to relax and how to, you know, not stress out and all of that. But I'm not talking about that in this sermon. I'm not talking about that in this message. The message that I'm preaching today is about a rest. It's about a refreshment that only God can give you. There is a supernatural rest. There is a supernatural rest healing rest that God has for you. But if you're never with him, and if you never shut up, and if you never turn stuff off, and if you, what is it called, getting off the grid? If you never turn your phone off, if you're always got your phone on, if you're always scared you're going to miss a message, guess who you're going to end up missing a message from? God, you're going to miss a message from him So God wants you to have his rest, his kind of rest, not the kind of rest the self-help people are talking about. And I'm not saying all of what they say is bad or wrong. I'm just telling you there is a rest in God. There is a refreshment in the Lord. And if you're a Christian, you ought to long for that. You ought to want that. You ought to have a desire for that. And I'm challenging you to go for it. Today only comes from being with him. Now, when we go back to the text that I gave you, Psalm 119.73, I want you to put that verse up there, guys, again, uh, the one that was just up there. Look what it says. It says, God has created me. He has wired me. He has designed me so that rest is not optional. Rest is not optional. You don't get to choose rest or not. He put it as one of the Ten Commandments. 
It's not optional. It is a command. It is a mandate. It is a requirement. God wants you to have some time. Listen to this, and I know a lot of Christians don't preach this, and a lot of preachers don't say this, but you know I believe it. I believe it for me, and I believe it for this church. God wants you to have fun. Hard to say amen to that, isn't it? Because we have this thing in our mind from how we were brought up that God's this cruel taskmaster and he loves to just crack the whip on us. Let me tell you something. God wants you to laugh. God wants you to have fun. God wants you to have some enjoyment. And you can't have that if you're always nose to the grindstone, if you're always leaning forward, if you're always engaged in something. God wants you to have some fun. God wants you to have family. Why do we have problems with our children? Because we're not with them. Why do we have problems in our marriage? Because we're not together. Oh, we might be together, but we're t- doing something else. While, even while we're together. And God wants you to be with him. So I wrote this down. God wants you to have fun, family, and father. Amen? That's good alliteration right there for all you old school people that like alliteration. Fun, family, and father. He wants you to have some time. Look at Psalm 127 and 2. Y'all going to love this verse right here. I don't know if you're going to obey it, but you're going to like it. It, everybody say it with me. It is for you to work so hard. Somebody say amen. amen. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night. How Working how? Uptight, stressed out, fried, burned out. Not getting enough rest. Look, God wants you to work. God wants you to work. Bible says if you don't work, you don't. And I love eating. So I'm going to do some work. But he says don't work. Don't overdo it. Don't overdo it. Don't work till early morning till late at night. God said I never intended that for you. He said I want you to work but not anxiously. I don't want you to work burned out. I don't want you to work fried. I don't want you to work, uh, you know, uh, burning the candle at both ends. I don't want you working that way. And I don't want you working for food to eat. You say, well, that's pretty important, isn't it? We'll look at that in a minute. For God, this is what I was just talking about. For God does what? There's a rest in God. That's what I want you to get today. There's rest. There's going to bed at night, getting some sleep. There's, there's rest during the day. Uh, there, there's a nap time. There's coffee breaks. All of that's good. But I'm saying to you, there is a rest in the Lord. That's what we're missing. We schedule everything else in our life, but we don't schedule any time for Him. We don't schedule any time to be with Him. And then we sit around and complain that we never hear from Him. Yeah, everybody talks about hearing from God, and God said this. I don't ever hear from God. Stop. Turn stuff off. Read your Bible. Spend some time in prayer. And then just, as my mama used to say, hush. Hush. Just be quiet and let the Lord minister to you. God says, I do not want you living uptight. This is God's will for you. God says, I don't want you living stressed out and worried lives. I don't want you living in the back of your mind thinking, I've got to keep working, 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 or my family will starve. What do you, how do you think that makes God feel? I mean, God kind of tries to break into your life. And let's say God could just talk to you audibly, and he could if he wanted to. And you could talk back to him audibly, and he could work that out if he wanted to. 
But let's just say God did that and went, why are you working so hard? And you look back up and said, God, if I don't work, I won't, I won't have any food for me. I won't have any food for my family. Let me ask you, if you who have little children, what if one night you went in to kiss them goodnight? They were laying on their bed. It was about 9.30 and, and you kissing them goodnight and saying, look, I'll see you tomorrow. And they were crying. They were weeping. And you said, baby, what are you weeping about? And then they looked at you and said, I'm just afraid I'm not going to have anything to eat tomorrow. I'm just afraid I, I, I won't have clean clothes in the morning. I'm just afraid I, I won't have transportation to school tomorrow. I'm afraid I won't have pencils and paper. And I'm afraid I won't have any of those things. You, what would you say to them? You would go, oh, my honey, please. Mama's going to take care of that. You're going to have breakfast in the morning. You're going to have clean clothes to wear. You're going to have all your school supplies. I'm going to take you to school. Why are you worried about that? And it would, listen, listen, it would break our heart, wouldn't it? If your child said that to you, it would break your heart to know your child is stressed out because they're not sure you're going to take care of them. You would cry. You'd go to bed and cry. And you'd say to your husband or to your wife, you'd say, honey, I want to tell you, our child is in there worried. But we do it every day. We treat God like we don't think he's going to take care of us. And we're fried and we're stressed and we're anxious. How do I know? Because I do it too. You know what? It must break God's heart. Can we look at a scripture? Um, Matthew chapter 6. Guys, if you'll put that reference up there. Now, I'm going to read some scripture that's not going to come up on the screen. So I want you to just listen. And then the part I want you to really get, it's going to come up on the screen in just a minute. But this is Jesus talking about this. Jesus says, That is why I tell you, not to worry about everyday life. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Jesus says, don't worry about everyday life. He's talking to his followers. He's talking to his, 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 the people who believe in him. How many of you know God takes care of the people who believe in him? But how many of you know before you believed in him, he took care of you then too? Amen. He says, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink, Jesus says, don't worry about that. Or don't worry about enough, whether you've got enough clothes to wear. He says, let me ask you something. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? And then he gives us an illustration in verse 26. He says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father, our heavenly Father takes care of them and feeds them. By the way, um, one of the richest men in the world is Bill Gates. And if he's watching online this morning, anytime he wants to pay his tithe here at the bridge, we would receive it. Amen. We would receive it. Do you know Bill Gates, last time I looked, and I don't know what it changes, but he was worth about $40 billion. That's good money right there. That's good tithe right there. <laughs> $40 billion, listen to me. Bill Gates don't have enough money if he spent every dime he's worth to feed the birds one day. He don't have enough money to feed the birds one single day. And the Lord feeds them every day. The Lord feeds them every 
day. Bill Gates can't feed them. If he spent the whole $40 billion on bird seed, he couldn't feed all the birds one single day. The Lord will supply my needs and your needs according to his riches. His riches in glory. So Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you, this is Jesus asking this question, aren't you more valuable to him than birds are? Everybody answer that question. Yes. He said, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Everybody answer that. No. How many of you have really, really worried a lot and at the end of the week God gave you an extra day? Worry doesn't add one moment to your life. It doesn't give you anything. It doesn't provide anything for you. Verse 28. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field. Look at the flowers and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory. Solomon was the great king Old Testament. Yet Solomon in all his royal uh, regal clothing was not dressed as beautifully as the flowers are. And God dresses them every day. Verse 30, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and then they dry up so you throw them in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly take care of you if he's going to take care of birds and flowers. Amen, amen, amen. He said, why do you have so little faith? Jesus asked the bridge, Farrell Hardison, that today. Now, watch what he says. Look, here comes the scripture. So don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat and what will we drink or what will we wear? He says, don't worry about those things. Verse 32, these things dominate the thoughts of not believers who trust God, but these are the thoughts of what? Unbelievers, people who don't believe in God. That's, that's what they worry about. But we who love Jesus and follow him and believe his word, we don't worry about those things. We're not supposed to. These are the things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs even before you ask. Verse 33, seek, he says, there are two things you need to do, two primary things. Number one, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Put God first. And secondly, out of that putting God first, you'll have intimacy with God. So out of that putting God first, you will live how? You'll live righteously. He said, if you'll put me first, then you'll live righteously, and I will give you what? Everything. Now, when the Bible says everything, what it really means is everything. You need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow, amen to this. For tomorrow will what? Come on, let's get happy. Amen. We know that's right. Today's trouble is enough for today. Do you know what the Bible says? And I'm not going to read this on the screen. But if you're taking notes, write this down. First Timothy 6:17. Did you know that in 1 Timothy 6, 17, God says, I've provided all you need because I want you to have time to get rest and I want you to have all you need so you can get rest so you can enjoy life. Did you know God feels that way about you? Did you know that? Did you know God said, I'm going to meet all your needs if you'll let me so you can get the rest you need so you can enjoy your life? Most of us don't think of God that way. We don't think of God loving us like that. God wants us to be strong. 
God doesn't want us weak. God, God doesn't want us stressed out. God doesn't want us living anxiously. God doesn't want us fried. God wants us to live victoriously. He wants us to live strong lives. Now, we were talking about Nehemiah. Look what it says in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. What's the source of our strength? Look what it says. Nehemiah says, Then as I looked over the situation, the broken down walls of Jerusalem, then as I looked over the situation, I called together the leaders and the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Don't be stressed out. Trust me. Don't be stressed out. Look at those three words right there. Everybody say them out loud. That was pathetic. Now, I know you've heard me preach before when I was pathetic. You didn't say it out loud. God bless you. But you thought it. So here we go. We're going to try that again. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. What makes us get stressed out? What makes us worry? We forget the Lord. I don't mean we forget he exists. I don't mean we forget there's a Bible. I don't mean we forget church. I mean we forget what he's promised. We forget what he said. He says, remember the Lord who is, come on, who is what? Great and glorious. Remember the Lord. Look at Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, verse 29. Who provides strength for us? The Lord. Everybody say it. The Lord gives strength. Hey, listen, if you go to the gym and get strength, good for you. If you run down the road and it gives you physical strength, good for you. If you see me running down the road, stop. Somebody's after me. <laughs> who, get, who gives us the strength we need? Who gives the strength we need? Who gives us strength not to worry? Who gives us strength not to be stressed out? Who is it? The Lord gives strength to those who are what? Weary emotionally, weary mentally, weary physically, weary spiritually, weary, weary in their attitude. Even young people. I'm, I'm talking about like people like me. Thank you for not laughing so hard at that. Even young people get tired. Then when they get tired, even young people, they do what? Stumble and fall. Look at the next verse, verse 31. But those who trust the Lord, who's going to get strength? Those who what? Those who trust the Lord will what? Right there it is. If you trust the Lord, you're going to find your strength. They will be strong like eagles, soaring not downward but upward. They will walk and run without getting tired. God gives us strength. The King James Version says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? It means that you just get quiet. I want to talk a little bit more about what I said. Get quiet. Get quiet. One of the reasons we're so shallow spiritually, one of the reasons we're so shallow in the Word of God, one of the reasons uh, uh, when, a, when a Jehovah's Witness comes by our house and we let them in, they know more about our Bible than we do. Did I just say that out loud? They know more about our Bible than we do. Sometimes the reason the Mormons know more about our Bible than we do is they spend time with their book. 
and they've took our book and put it right beside their book and, and they can out-argue us and they can, and they can catch us in a situation where we don't know what to say back because we don't spend time with God. We're shallow. We're weak. Can I preach like that? Because we don't spend time with God. We don't spend time in His Word. We don't wait on Him. Get quiet. God, is there anything you want to say to me? The reason that we're weak is because we rarely spend time alone with God. That's why we end up having the spiritual and emotional and mental, uh, mental strength uh, to lose. That's why we're so weak we lose. If you want the strength to win the war with discouragement, you've got to be with Him. God's saying to the bridge today, God's saying to Farrell Hardison, God's saying to the bridge staff, God is saying to the bridge board members today, God is saying to our, our um, uh, ministry directors, our owners, he's saying, I want you to stop. Farrell Hardison, I want you to stop. Read books on leadership, go to conferences, be a better pastor. But one of the things you've got to do, that if you don't do any of those things, if you don't do, you can go to uh, conferences, you can sit under the feet of great men and great leaders, but Farrell Hardison, you're never going to be who God wants you to be unless you stop and rest and spend time with me. Because Farrell Bridge, this is God talking, it's in those moments that I strengthen you. It's in those moments that I reveal myself to you. It's in those moments that I help you. I want us to go to the 23rd Psalm. Everybody go to the 23rd Psalm. We're, we're going to put it up on the screen. This is the Amplified Bible. And I'm going to read, and there's a lot of parentheses in here and a lot of brackets in here, but I'm just going to read this very slowly, and I want you to just drink this in. And I'm going to try not to preach on it too much because our time's running out, but I want you to listen. The Lord is my shepherd to feed me. Because I'm his little what? I'm his little lamb. I'm his little sheep. So the Lord is my shepherd. And the shepherd feeds. The shepherd guides. The shepherd shields me. He protects me. And because my shepherd provides all those things for me, I shall not want for anything. Y'all with me? Verse 2. He leads me to work really hard and work harder. And that is a part of our life as Christians, serving. But he leads me to what? How many of y'all like that part? <laughs> he leads me to lie down, to rest. Where? In green pastures. What do sheep eat? Grass. He leads us to lie down in the very provision he has made for us. That would be like feral... You know, just lie down on some fried chicken, man. Just lie down. <laughs> I'm not sure that's good for me, but anyway, it's good to me. He lets me lie down. He leads me, the Bible says in King James, to lie down, rest in green pastures. This speaks of his provision for our every need. He leads me beside the what? Still and what? Quiet waters. This speaks of... Me getting alone with him so he can renew me, so he can refresh me. Um, I'm not going to get into it here, but how many of you know what rumination means? An animal, an animal who ruminates. Rumination. This deals, with, this deals in the spiritual here with meditation. Um, it deals with us reading the Word of God and then getting alone and being quiet so God can take that Word we just read and show us how it applies to us. 
Man, I'd love to preach on that. There's a really good teaching right there, but we don't have time. He said, he leads me in the paths of what? Righteousness. Y'all see it up on the screen? Is it up there? He refreshes me, leads me beside the still waters and quiet waters. I'm sorry, verse 3. He what? Refreshes and restores what? My soul. That means my life, my mind, my heart, every part of me. He leads me in the paths of and, and that means he leads me to live holy. He leads me to live a holy life. And when I live a holy life, it doesn't give him a bad name. It gives him a what? A good name. So that's why he says he leads me in the paths of holiness for his, for his not for your name's sake, for when we don't live holy, who are we, whose name are we hurting? His name. He says, when I live holy, when I help you live holy, it gives me a good name. So when you witness about me, people believe you. David's telling us here that when I'm intentional about taking the time to rest in him, the result is intimacy with him. And intimacy with him results in me living a righteous life, and living a righteous life brings him honor. Living holy brings him glory. Living holy gives him a good name. Verse 4, David says, the result of intentionally resting and being with him is that even though there are going to be times in my life when I walk through the sunless valley of the shadow of death, which means deep darkness, he said, because I've been with God when I wasn't in the valley, I fear no evil when I am in the valley. When I am discouraged, I fear no evil. I'm no longer discouraged or overwhelmed, for I am aware and confident that he is what? With me. I'm aware and confident that his rod will protect me and his staff will guide me. Knowing that brings me tremendous comfort and consolation. In the dark valley, in the valley of the shadow of death, deep darkness, because I've been with God, I don't fear when I'm in that because I know his rod will protect me. I know his staff will guide me. And knowing that, Having that confidence because I've been with God, I've had my quiet time with God, I am comforted and consoled even in the shadow of the valley of death. That's powerful right there. Verse 5. You, God, prepare a table before me in the very presence of my enemy. You have anointed and refreshed my head with what? Speaks of the Holy Spirit, the anointing. Because of that, Lord, I don't have just what I need to get by my cup. I don't, have, I don't have just what I need to get by my cup. Your provision's more than I need. The provision you give me is over the top. Verse 6. I love the first word of this verse. It means I am confident. I am confident, surely. I am confident of your provision. I am confident of your goodness and mercy and unfailing love. And I am confident that it will never leave me, but it will always follow me. How long? All the days of my life. If I'll spend time with you, God, I will dwell forever throughout all my days in your house. That means your presence. In your presence, God, here and for eternity. When you are intentional about spending time with God, 
I'm not saying you're going to hear an audible voice. But here's what I want to promise you. I want to promise you something today. When you consistently spend quiet time with God, you'll hear from Him. You'll hear from Him. When you rest in Him, when you read His Word and rest in it and meditate on it and ruminate in His Word and ruminate in the presence of His Spirit, and you spend enough time there, listen, you're going to get a word. You're going to get revelation. You're going to get inspiration. You're going to get a thought you didn't have. You're going to get a creative idea you didn't have. Listen to this, because here's what most of you are looking for. You're going to get a solution to a situation that you didn't know what in the world to do. And the only reason you didn't know what in the world to do is because you were not spending time with God. Listen to me today. Listen, Farrell Hardison. You listen. I'm listening. Sometimes I've talked to myself. When you consistently spend time with God, you will not sit around going, I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to go. You know what a lot of you do? I do it. You're calling on everybody else going, tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. You, you go to Books a Million. You go through the self-help section. How do, how do I be a better person? How do I break bad habits? How do I, oh, I need help. I need some. Because we're not with him. I'm telling you right now. If you will set yourself to take that prayer journal and work it and pray over it. If you, will, if you will make this a part of your life, your lifestyle, listen to me, you hear from God. He'll talk to you. Not saying he'll give you an audible voice. Not saying he's going to send you a text on your phone. But you'll hear from him and listen, you'll know it was him. And you'll feel confident about something. You'll feel confident about that guidance you needed. You'll feel some... Look what David said in the 23rd Psalm. Lord, when I spend time with you, I feel sure. When I, feel, when I spend time with you, God, and you minister to me, and you strengthen me, and you refresh me, I'm confident. I'm not walking around trying to figure out which way to go. I'm telling you guys, let me tell you Farrell Hardison's biggest problem. My biggest problem is I don't spend enough time with God by myself. Me and God. Every bad decision I've ever made came because I consulted every other source except him. This is a word from the Lord to me. It's a word from the Lord for our church. I'm going to pray, and while I'm praying, the band's going to come out, so don't let that distract you, and then we're going to have communion together. So I'm going to get our guys who have the communion stuff, if you'll step in with that. I want to make sure everybody's got that. So just put your hand up and hold it up. If you don't have communion, if you don't have the cup, if you need that, just put your hand up and hold it up. This is not a time to lift your hands and praise the Lord, because if you do, we're going to bring you a cup. All right. So anybody need that? If you need it, just raise your hand. We'll get it to you right now. Because this is really, really important. This is really important.
God wants us to do this. Amen? Everybody good? Now, when I pray, I'm going to keep my eyes open. If you start to leave, I'm going to call your name. I won't do that, but do stick with us. Don't, don't see this as a time to get out of the parking lot early, okay? Let's do this. This is really important. Everybody ready to pray? You ready to pray? Father, thank you for your word today. I am so glad that when Pastor Farrell gets up here to preach, I don't have to preach what Pastor Farrell thinks about something. I can go to your word. I can go to your word and find in your word everything I need. And Lord, when I've spent time in your word and then I just get quiet, you speak to me even further. You give me not only that Logos word, not only that word that is what it means in the Bible, but you give me that Rhema, that word for me, that word for my life, that word for my situation, for my problem, for my valley. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for loving me so much that you lead me Beside the still waters, you restoreth my soul. Thank you for that, God. And we're about to take communion today, Lord, and I just want to go ahead and pray over the juice that we will drink that is a picture of your blood that you shed on the cross for our sins. I want to, I want to thank you for the bread that we will eat today that represents your body given Thank you for it, Lord, as we partake of it now in just a moment. And everybody said, no, we're going to take communion and then, and then we're going to spend some time in worship, okay? We're going to spend some time worshiping. But I want to just read that scripture that I, read, that I read at the beginning of the sermon. So guys, if you can put that back up there for me. Nehemiah 4.14. Look what it says. Then I looked over the situation I called together the leaders and the people and said to them, don't be stressed, don't be anxious, don't be worried about what the enemy's going to do. Instead of that, everybody say it real loud. Remember the Lord. When Jesus was sitting with his disciples in the very first communion, he said, do this in remembrance of me. So today we remember, we remember the Lord. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how steep the mountain, I don't know how deep the valley, I don't know how bad what you're going through is. I'm not going to pretend that I can know what you're going through, but here's what my word to you today is. Remember the Lord. But pastor, I'm worried. Remember the Lord. But I think somebody, but remember the Lord. But somebody said, remember the Lord. Get everything else out of your mind. And remember, he is greater. He is more powerful. He is bigger. He is the one who is going to make you more than a conqueror and an overcomer. Remember the Lord today. I don't know what the doctor has said. I don't know what the accountant has said. I don't know what your bank account looks like. Maybe your blood pressure is high and your bank account's low. I don't know. But remember the Lord. 
Remember the Lord. And we take this cup. We peel back, just as the disciples did. They peeled back that cellophane. We take the unleavened bread in our hand, the pure bread of the body of Jesus. Can I ask you to do something? See him on the cross. Can I ask you to close your eyes? Just close your eyes. See him on that cross. See him. See that crown of thorns. See his pierced side. See the blood. See where they hurt him and tortured him. See it. And take that bread for his body, put it in your mouth, and remember the Lord. And now we peel back that second layer. We find the juice of the grape, that grape that had to be crushed, that grape that had to be tortured. In other words, for this grape juice to be here today, it had to be crushed. It represents the blood of Jesus for the blood of Jesus to be shed for the remission and forgiveness and cleansing of our sin, Jesus had to be crushed. We remember his precious blood today that washes away our sin. Let us drink together. Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you, God, for this precious moment of worship in our church. We pray now that as we begin to sing, Lord, that we will lift up your name, that we will get everything else off our mind, and we will remember the Lord. Would you stand? Would you stand today? Everybody together standing.